0: Good morning. I know this is going to be odd for the folks who are already here for me to say good morning, but we're recording this uh, for those who are not able to join us this morning, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, The lectionary of the Orthodox Church starts on Holy Saturday with the Book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to tell you there might be sounds in the background that uh, do not emanate from my voice, but possibly little Greece and boys as they run around. Um, but I wanted to go ahead, since uh, Lent has ended, or we're now in the Paschal season, Christ is risen.
1: Indeed, he is He's risen.
0: risen. Uh, to go ahead and try to open up some other venues uh, for us to be able to meet together, even if it's in this. Uh, Limited draining way. There's been a bunch of articles recently about how zoom calls are draining. So hopefully this isn't as draining as other zoom calls uh, But also we'll try to keep this to about an hour So we'll probably end around 1110 so that because we'll start doing this every Saturday so that we have a set time that we know if I tune in uh, That doesn't mean that I'm going to be tuned in for two hours or they keep talking and talking talking so I would like uh, for us uh, we'll probably go a r- roughly a chapter or two at a time. Um, and we're just going to walk verse by verse. And you can ask questions. Sometimes I'll be able to answer the questions. Other times I might say, that's a great question. Let me get back to you on that one. Um, so uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to see if this works. I'm going to share a screen so that we can all be using the same version of scripture, although you're welcome to use at home your own uh, version, but I figured for the sake of us being all to put eyes on the same text. Uh, before we begin, begin uh, let's pray quickly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. O Christ, our God, who is risen from the dead, Send your Holy Spirit to us that we may be able to, in reading and opening up your scriptures, be able to discern your holy will, to put away from us a carnal way of life, and to embrace the manner of life, a spiritual life, life in you. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So. Let's start with the first verse uh, of Acts 1 in the first book of Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commandment to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So we get in the very beginning of Acts 1 in the first verse, in the first few words of Acts 1, we are told that there is a first book. So, what is the first book that the author is referring to? Oops, sorry. Uh, Luke. Luke. Maybe you knew? Luke and Acts were written together. They belong together. And I would suggest that they should be read together. Uh, The church puts scripture before us in many different ways. Uh, There's liturgical uh, context where we do scripture. Uh, at Vespers and in the Divine Liturgy. There's also the daily lectionary where it would be read in church. uh, And because we're not in a monastery, we're not in a little um, village church uh, to be read at home, uh, accompanied with our prayers. And the lectionary has us uh, walk through different uh, sections of the Gospels and the Epistles uh, at different times throughout the year. And right now uh, we're in the Gospel of John in the book of Acts. But the book of Acts uh, was originally written with the Gospel of Luke. And there are many, many parallels uh, between Luke and Acts, uh, obviously, because they were written together. So they very much uh, belong together thematically, um, the phrases, uh, the emphasis. Um, you could very much see already here in the first uh, two verses uh, well, actually, let's, let's read the first four here. So, in starting verse three, because I stopped at the end of two. To them he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking of the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is... Um, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, what is the major occurrence that happens? This is Luke 24. It's okay if you do not read Luke 24 before class because you probably weren't thinking that you would need to read Luke uh, before a class on Acts, but it's a very famous uh, account.
1: The Assumption.
0: So, or yeah, ascension. is the Ascension, but there's also a very long conversation of jesus to luke and cleopas mm. on the way to emmaus uh, i think we're all familiar with this we read this uh during matins uh well so at saint anne's we append a gospel reading to the end of great vespers on saturday nights uh so that we can do the matins uh pericope there's a i believe there's 11 Matin, uh, Matins resurrection scenes that are appended (coughs) that we append to into vespers that belongs in matins Uh, and this uh, encounter of jesus with luke and cleopas on the road to emmaus and we can see here uh, in luke 24 all of the themes that we're going to start covering in acts one through two luke covers basically um well let's just look at the last verse uh, of luke 24. And it says they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So where does the book of Acts begin? It begins in Jerusalem. And where as we um, are headed towards Pentecost, uh, we will be in Jerusalem and they will be in the temple uh, and all of the activity that happens in the temple. Luke starts out uh, with the incarnation, with the... um, the proclamation uh, to Mary that she's going to have Jesus. Uh, you have the Magnificat. You have uh, all of these themes. You have Zachariah, uh, the the father of John the Baptist. You have all of these themes of the inbreaking of the kingdom and the promises uh, fulfilled that had been made to David and Abraham, uh, and we see in the book of Acts these same themes are going to be drawn upon. Uh, the kingdom, uh, they are confused. Uh, about what's going to happen uh with the kingdom in verse 6 of acts 1 so when they had come together they asked him lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel uh this is from the very beginning of the gospel of luke there is the um uh, in the annunciation there is uh, and in the the song of mary uh in Zechariah and his encounter with the angel the preaching of john the baptist uh, the preaching of jesus and then the entire movement of Jesus towards Jerusalem and his encounter and rejection by um, the Jews in Jerusalem, specifically the scribes and the Pharisees, Uh, you have all of the themes of the Lord has come to restore his kingdom to Israel, but there's a lot of confusion about what this means. What is this kingdom going to be? Um, You've probably heard uh, before, and it's true that uh, the expectation, the messianic expectation at this time There's going to be some kind of violent revolution, uh, or that there was going to be, uh, if there was going to be a vindication of Israel, it would be a literally, literal throwing off of uh, Rome, uh, their oppressors, uh, especially uh, (laughs) the ones who made them pay taxes, uh, who suppressed their religious activities, etc. They thought that they would have, uh, as you can see, different Jewish revolutionary movements around this time. Uh, That's why in the scriptures they talk about a zealot, that is somebody who is dedicated to the overthrow of Rome and for the vindication of Israel, Um, because the high priest there had been before Rome had come. There had been a high priest and a king, and they basically there had been a. a, uh, This is way after David and Solomon, etc. There had been a a nation state. Well, let me not say nation state because that's complicated. (laughs) Uh, But there had been. very much an understanding of uh, a group of uh, that Israel was um, governing itself and able to worship the way that it wanted to worship, especially after its um, exile and uh, captivity in Babylon. So we have all of these themes uh, coming up, popping up right at the very beginning of uh, the book of Acts. Uh, that obviously run through all of Luke. What is the confusion uh, that we have on the way to Emmaus in Luke 24? What are the disciples confused about? Do you all remember? In verse 18, it says, uh, Cleopas says to Jesus, which is always kind of funny. uh, He looks at him and he says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? (laughs) And he said to them, and Jesus said, what things? He said, concerning Jesus, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. Moreover, and then they tell about how the women had not found his body, there had been a vision of angels, uh, and they just were confused when we come to the book of acts uh we're continuing the same story the shift uh, all of uh as the first verse of acts says all of the gospel of luke of course is dealing with what jesus did and taught until the day when he was taken up and he'd given commandments to the holy uh about the holy spirit sorry i have them through the holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen the very last verse Uh, And as Jesus is ascending uh, up into heaven, uh, is that he tells them to go to Jerusalem. Uh, Sorry, this is a few verses earlier, 47, that they need to stay in Jerusalem, be witnesses of all the things that he's taught them, and that the Father will clothe them with power from on high. So Acts opens up, it says in the first book, we talked about Jesus. Now in this book, uh, we will see uh, what it means for the risen and ascended Lord to be sitting at the right hand of the Father, to send his Holy Spirit upon the apostles, and to then have what then the book of Acts. I mean, we all say the book of Acts, but we know that's a shortened form of book of the Acts of the apostles. So the book of Acts is the same themes of Luke, uh, but now it is the... um, the apostles who have been clothed with the power from on high, that they will continue the kingdom. Which uh, they will do this by modeling the same ways in which Jesus uh, did things. That they will there will be works of wonder uh, that will we'll come to the end of this uh, cha- uh, of chapter two. They will go forth and they will be rejected. Um, at the beginning of the book of Acts, there is an acceptance. Uh, but as we go forward, when we have uh, the, a sermon later um, by Paul, uh, and we have the sermon especially of Stephen, where he recounts uh, here in the book of Acts the whole kind of history of Israel and the culmination and fulfillment of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, what happens to Stephen?
1: Um, it's stoned.
0: He's stoned. We have the same, uh, now we have, and especially fascinating about Stephen. I'm jumping a little bit. Stephen. He, as he's being killed, he looks up in the heavens, the heavens open up, uh, and you have this kind of theophany experience that uh, Stephen has because he becomes a little Christ. He is a righteous one who teaches the gospel and is rejected and killed. Uh, but is vindicated and from his vindication, uh, we have Paul who is converted. And so you have a similar, as, as the church grows, as the kingdom of God grows, uh, you're going to repeat basically the, the story of Jesus. But now it's going to be the Christians who follow after Jesus, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's what they're even told in the book of Acts. Um As you brought before the uh, Sanhedrin, or you are brought before all these things, uh, this is the end of the Gospel of John even, you know, the power, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. So the book of the Acts of the Apostles is very much a book of the Holy Spirit, uh, a book about uh, the church and its uh, empowerment, uh, its being clothed with the Holy Spirit. All right, I just did a long monologue. Is there any questions? I'll take that as a no. So, uh, now I see Logan. <laughs> so, let's uh, continue with verse uh, six. Uh, would somebody else like to read so we can hear another voice? Uh, sure. Yes, Philip, please. <laughs>
2: So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven.
0: We can stop right there. So this is fascinating on on many fronts. Um, You have already, uh, again, as I mentioned in my little, uh, monologue there about the Lord, this question about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And he tells them as he, Jesus answers throughout the gospels, um, it's not for you to know. And even in some of the gospels, Jesus will talk in the sense of that. It's not even up to him. It's up to the father. Uh, the father has fixed by his own authority, um, the whole shape of salvation and, and what is to come. And you'll see this, uh, this happens throughout the Gospel of Luke, um, from the preparation of Zechariah to the Annunciation uh, to the gathering. Uh, and you'll see this in the sermon um, that Peter gets up and preaches in the next chapter in Acts, this underlining of the authority of the Father to set um, what is going to happen. Uh, that this is all according to God's plan. It's not random. Uh, So what is the plan of God? And Jesus says in verse 8, You shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. What's fascinating is there's an overlap uh, with Acts and Luke, because uh, in the end of Luke, Jesus tells them the same thing, basically. Uh, he's ascending and he lifts them, uh, lifts his hands and he blesses them and he blessed them and parted from them, was carried up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. While they're in this temple worship, uh, they were preparing themselves uh, to receive the Holy Spirit, but they're still confused <laughs> uh, about what's supposed to happen because they still hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Um, but we have this fascinating overlap. In of the Gospel of Luke tells us. Uh, A little bit, and then in the book of Acts, we get a little bit more. As he's being taken up in the cloud out of their sight in verse 9 and 10, uh, we have two men standing by them in white robes uh, by Jesus. Uh, You might be not surprised now, uh, in the resurrection account, when the women come to the tomb uh, in the Gospel of Luke, guess who's standing by uh, the empty tomb? two men in white robes or bedazzling garments. If I remember correctly from the gospel of Luke, uh, again, as you read Luke and acts, you can kind of go back and forth, back and forth, because they're all, they're constantly aligned with each other. And so what's fascinating about what these two men, uh, angels, I think you're supposed to obviously read from this, uh, they're floating in the heavens with white robes. Uh, thus begins a grand tradition of, uh, floating angels that are in crazy garments um men of galilee why do you look into heaven so (laughs) it's kind of fascinating well of course they're looking into heaven because jesus is up in the sky (laughs) i think i would be looking up into heaven too uh this jesus he's taken up from you he's going to come in the same way as you saw him going to heaven so we have this fascinating we've already had the advent of our savior and Advent means like coming, uh, and the first coming, and the conclusion of his first coming, and now a transition from him being with him physically. I and mean, we see this at the end of the Gospel of John, um, especially in that encounter uh, that Jesus has with Mary, where she's trying to hold on to him, and he says, you got to let go of me, uh, because this is like, I have to ascend. Uh, the fulfillment of my entire uh, ministry, I can't stay with you in this form. I have to ascend to sit at the right hand of the Father, and when I sit at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit will then be sent. Um, This is, again, from the Gospel of John. It's a kind of a heavy uh, thing when we think about it, when he says that you, meaning us, will go and do greater things. And it's like... (laughs) Uh, So, our Lord finished our salvation, accomplished our salvation, through his entire uh movement from the incarnation to what he did uh i I love the focus in the book of acts uh it's not just what he taught it's also what he did uh that he uh sanctified our entire life he sanctified our death and then he rises from the dead he ascends to heaven and then he sends the holy spirit to empower us to be able to be his witnesses Now he basically hands it over to us. I mean, he's still in charge. There's no confusion about that. But now we as co-workers, as Paul will talk about in like 1 Corinthians, we now have a responsibility. And so what happens in the early church very quickly is they realized, and there's something important about this, is that there's a specific apostolic ministry. Uh, And so the next section of Acts 1, they... um, the whole empowerment of the of the church is to witness to who Jesus Christ is. So, there is though a structure that is placed. Um, when we come to Acts two, we'll see that there's a whole gathering of apostles and disciples. Uh, we kind of have this idea, and I think it's in some ways it's because of iconographic or depictions that it was just the twelve around Jesus. But if you read through the Gospels, it's not just the twelve. There's a whole host of people and disciples. Uh, you have the seventy disciples that are uh, commissioned and sent out, uh, but now there's something very specific and special about the twelve. Uh, can you take a guess as to why? What's the special? Why it would be 12? twelve?
1: Twelve tribes. Of
0: Israel. The twelve tribes of Israel. We have with Christ calling twelve specific apostles. He is symbolically. Uh, reconstituting and establishing Israel uh, that had fallen away. I and mean, this is all through the prophets, right? Israel has gone astray. They've gone after the idols. Uh, they done messed up. <laughs> and they, <laughs> we could almost say Aaron, but we'll pass over. <laughs> they mess <laughs> up, but they need to be um, saved and they can't do it on their own. So Christ has to come and reconstitute them. And he does that uh, in the same way that they did with Israel. You have a select group that's chosen. Uh, he will empower them there to be his witnesses, as it said, we read earlier. Uh, and you'll see this as the, the book of Acts also moves, uh, as Philip read. First, they're witnesses in Jerusalem, Acts 2. They're in Jerusalem. Then they're going to Judea and Samaria. And then at the end of the book of Acts, where are they? Rome to the ends of the and even if I'm remembering correctly Peter is also uh, looking to Spain so he's even the, these, the apostolic scope of his ministry is still pushing uh, Paul, sorry, well Peter and Paul end up in Rome together, that's a whole other story we um, yeah, have Paul in Rome uh, moving uh, further east and Peter will end up in Rome too later um, so you have this the, the church is now going to witness and spread but we have to choose someone to replace the betrayer. So, would somebody read uh, verses 12 through 20? I can. Actually, 12 through 26.
1: Okay. Then they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Z- zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer, together with the women of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the bro- brethren, the company of persons, was in all about 120, and said, Brethren, the scripture has to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who was to guide those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man fought afield with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his vows gushed out. And it became known to all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their language, Al-Kadamah, is, Good the field job. of blood.
0: What? Good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation become desolate, and let there be no one to live in it, and his office let another take. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward to Joseph called Versabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, who knows the hearts of all men, Show which one of these two thou has chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was enrolled with the eleven apostles.
0: So there's a lot here. Um, it's, you can see that there's a very specific uh, idea of what apostleship means. Uh, to them at this time. This is not just, um, it's an office. Uh, uh, It's a ministry, and not in the way, because in kind of contemporary English church parlance, maybe not so much the Orthodox Church, but broadly conceived, we'll talk about people having ministries, right? Or people having a ministry. Um, This, the, uh, the 12 apostles have a very specific, ministry, and we can see that there's qualifications, right? It had to be, and we see in verse 21, uh, there had to be somebody who accompanied us during all the time that Jesus went in and out among us, uh, from his the baptism of John uh, until the day when he was taken up from us. So this narrows the field of uh, qualified people. It's fascinating. I don't recall at any point, uh, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, Um Does anyone remember Joseph called Grissabas justice or Matthias appearing at any time in the gospel texts? Maybe they're in a litany of names off the top of my head. I don't remember them being named at all. I will look that up. I'm still doing a lot of secondary reading, uh, right now. Uh, but they're not mentioned at all until now, as far as I can tell. Um, so it's that, so, There's always been a group that followed that was broader than the 12 apostles, but they need to choose uh, someone uh, that the Lord who knows the hearts of all men. This, I think we have still here. uh, Echoes of the Old Testament, for example, like David as he's chosen. He's chosen because the Lord knows uh, his heart uh, rather than his brothers, Uh, but we have um, That they are going to replace Judas. So, we also have here, I want us to go to verse 14. Uh, well, verse 14. We have parallels here, the upper room, they go to Jerusalem, uh, and they go to an upper room, which is then, again, this is kind of an echo of the Last Supper that was also held within an upper room. And you have, um, name all of these names of the apostles they also say the women and mary the mother of jesus with his brothers i don't think i ever noticed mary the theotokos present at this account until after i became orthodox uh mostly because we didn't account mary as much of anything in what i grew up so we will see that mary is present throughout the early church um She, especially iconographically, you'll see uh, icons of Pentecost. Uh, You will see Mary as the central figure in the icon of Pentecost, surrounded by the 12 apostles. Uh, Mary is chosen Sorry? Was somebody asking a question? Nope. Okay. Mary is chosen, of course, because the early church, she becomes uh, the sign of the church she, uh, I mean that kind of iconographically, but also, I mean, she literally is the first disciple of Jesus, right? She's the first, she had Jesus physically grow within her. She, she, uh, on all the metaphors that Paul uses, uh, she like, she did. So it's very natural that Mary then becomes, uh, not only because she, she did it truly, but she also iconographically depicts for us what it is to be a disciple. So she's, in our depictions of Pentecost, she will be at the center uh, because she's already had the Holy Spirit descend upon her too. I mean, think about the Annunciation. Where did Jesus come from? The, the, the Holy Spirit uh, descending upon her. So Mary still is at the center uh, in the mix of all of this around uh, the early church. She's at the cross. Uh, she, her presence, just like Peter. And this is another. If you go through the Gospels and you are wondering um, why, and this will tickle probably some the Roman Catholics, why uh, Rome has this kind of thing about Peter. Well, if you look through the Gospels and you look through Acts, Peter is the one who's always standing up <laughs> and leading. So. I don't think there's any denial from the Orthodox whatsoever about the fact that Peter stood stands in a very particular spot of leadership. And we see it already here in the first chapter of Acts, uh, as we saw throughout the Gospels. In those days, Peter stood up among the brethren, and there's about 120 of them there. And then he starts talking about scripture having to be fulfilled, uh, because the Holy Spirit spoke through David. one of the things about uh we see in verse 20 the psalms uh that peter is referencing one of the fascinating things i think um that i have encountered in re reading scripture and reading the fathers uh and just the in the life of the church i was very familiar with the idea that the old testament scriptures were fulfilled in jesus christ right? That's kind of a no-brainer, like that's just basic Christianity 101. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you have to believe that. (laughs) You can't give you the Gospels and not believe that. (laughs) Is that it's not just the life of Jesus that fulfills the Old Testament scripture. It's also the life of the church. Judas is obviously not Jesus, but scripture speaks about Judas and has a specific uh understanding of his place in the scope of things such that peter can interpret the book of psalms uh that his habitation will be desolate and his office somebody else needs to take his office Uh, this will also be i think a key for understanding how the church interprets scripture generally where we will find that you start scratching your head you say okay i see jesus in these texts but the church also sees mary in these texts or the church also sees Uh, the life of the Christian church throughout these texts because the scriptures themselves (laughs) already show us how um, it's not just um, Jesus but all that is around Jesus that the Old Testament scriptures takes into account uh, and prophesies or foretells so Judas um, he's numbered he was numbered among us he had a share in the ministry, but he was the betrayer, and so he must uh, his office must be replaced with someone else. Are there any questions about Judas or about Matthias or uh, the hundred and twenty or scripture or anything like that? No, because i'm good to go to on to chapter two as well sure so let's see here i think if i press this button we'll be in chapter two can everybody see chapter two
1: yes
2: yeah
0: yes excellent all right who would like to read one through 13
2: I'll be happy to do it again.
0: Do it. That would be great.
2: Uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled the, all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? (laughs) And how is it that we hear, each of us, in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine.
0: What does this mean? <laughs> Pentecost comes and they're all together in one place, and there's a mighty wind, and there's tongues of fire. What does this wind and fire remind you of? Think of old testament here.
1: Elijah and yeah. the Cape. Say that again. Elijah and the Cape.
0: Oh, uh, Elijah in the Cave. Very good. I was
1: gonna say
2: Mount Sinai.
0: Mount Sinai? With the loud the loud noises and the fire and that yes, I think that works too. We can go, uh, I would say around Mount Sinai is also, how are the Israelites? Yes. Uh,
2: Just thinking pillar of fire,
0: pillar of fire and a pillar, a cloud pillar, uh, that led them during the night and during the day. So the presence of God seems to have, uh, wind and fire associated with it throughout the old Testament. Um, The presence of God when he comes into the temple uh, or filled the temple is a kind of smoke or a kind of uh, wind. Um, So we have here uh, a sound that comes from heaven, uh, uh, the wind, and then we have fire distributed and resting on each one of them. So each as the new Israel is basically being constituted uh, and being uh, led, as it were. But then we have all of these uh, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and they're Jews and proselytes, as it says in verse 10. So what's going on? The the Feast of Pentecost, you would have had uh, the diaspora of Jews coming together in Jerusalem because they were supposed to be in Jerusalem, or they would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, it's fascinating. This is an aside. When I was an undergrad, I took a class. I did religious studies as my BA, and uh, this class that I had, where I had to uh, do a class on Islam, and so we were—I was set up to with another um, person in the class to discuss the differences between Islam and Christianity. Well, you know how group work works most of the time Uh, we didn't actually do much group work we just kind of said you take this and i'll take this so we get to class when we're supposed to be our presentation and they present on islam and these are the differences they point out about Islam between christianity and islam they have feasts they fast they go on pilgrimages they do like physical things when they pray at this point, I'm already Orthodox, and the whole time I'm sitting there going, that is not <laughs> a difference between Christianity and Islam. <laughs> In fact, that's not a difference between any of the, if you want to say Abraham, Christianity, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have a lot of the same practices. Uh, the differences is what they actually believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, That, and then the Trinity are the basic uh, things that Create massive differences, obviously, but Christianity is based in that. Uh, Judaism had the idea of pilgrimage. Throughout the Old Testament, you are to go to Jerusalem in order to sacrifice in the temple. Um, They have ideas of fasting, they have ideas of feasts, uh, as we still do. And so you have throughout this time, because of the, I'll say geopolitical, that might be a little anachronistic, but the Jews were spread throughout the Mediterranean. And so they have to all come. And so guess what? If you are a few generations into living in Crete uh, or Libya, I mean, good Greeks, that's really far away. Uh, uh, Cappadocia, you're all over the, even Rome. You're from all over the place. And so you've learned other languages. So now you have these men who are with you in the midst of you, who are speaking other languages. And so this is where we can make a very clear point. They're not speaking the language of angels. They're speaking the language of the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the Romans, the Syrians, you know, Libyans, etc. So I make that aside because uh, I remember growing up around a lot of characters who would talk about speaking in tongues, and I was always really confused because it seemed really obvious to me that they understood them because they say they're talking in our languages. Uh, The the language of angels comes from Paul and Corinthians, and I think it's just a confusion. So that's just an aside for clarity's sake of why if you are going to be given the gift of tongues, it was a very specific dispensation given in the early church, uh, And there have been instances from what I've understood of times where God has allowed communication to occur in the midst of missionary efforts. uh, But it's a very specific reason for this. And Paul seems to talk like that too. Um, You might've noticed my dryer just turned off because that's if there was a buzzing sound in the background. So now I don't feel like I have to yell over it. Um, So, so, Some of them are confused and others think that these guys are just drunk. So we can, are there any questions about what is going on here?
1: I guess more just a comment of, you know, kind of going back to the theme of like the fulfillment of the old Testament. This seems to be a reversal of the tower of Babel.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, You have there, of course, you all know the story or assuming you know the story. You have uh, humans who, um, this is post uh, Noah and the flood, they are building probably a ziggurat or something like that, some kind of monument. Uh, and they think they're gonna reach heaven by it. So there's human hubris uh, as it tries to overtake the heavenly realms through uh, their own machinations and working together and God humbles them by (laughs) making them unable to speak to one another. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we have here, of course, uh, God breathing uh, his spirit out upon man and reassembling them and bringing unity that comes through his Christ instead of through human hubris. Um, So let's go to Peter's sermon. Does anyone besides Erica or Philip want to read? If not, that's fine. I can read. I will read. Starting in verse 14. Let's see here. How do I want to? I don't want, I will stop at some point because this gets a little bit long. And so Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. In Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. For this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yea, and on my men servants and maid servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I shall show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus to hold up according to the definite plan of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So he stands up and addresses all the men who are there. And he tells them, uh, obviously we're not drunk, uh, and his argument, which may uh, be less convincing, is that it's too early in the day. Um, but he says, uh, this is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And you have here in the prophet Joel classic language, I'll call it apocalyptic language. Um, that What I mean by that is you have uh, the heaven, as you see in 19 and 20, the heavens and the earth. Uh, you have blood, fire. Oh, I have a visitor. Hi, Ellie. Hi. Say hi. Hi, <laughs> Ellie. <laughs> Somebody is Elsa. <laughs> you have uh, the, these signs of heaven and earth, the blood, the fire, the smoke, the sun turned into darkness, the moon and the blood. This is classic apocalyptic language, uh, and apocalyptic um we tend to think of this as almost like uh, equivalent to like zombies and stuff, right? Like apocalyptic means in times, the language of scripture, apocalypse, apocalypse means the revealing. So what uh, Peter in quoting Joel here, this language uses all of this dramatic poetic language to emphasize um, what well, we have, heaven and earth. They are accounted as uh, witnesses when we have the giving of the law. Uh, when you look at the beginning of the book of Isaiah uh, and the prophets, when they are preaching against Israel, they'll say, you know who your witnesses are to your evil? Uh, the heavens and the earth. Uh, when they are to uh, make the they're follow God, they, they swear or they testify that they are going to do this um, before heaven and earth. So you have the cosmos as a witness to what God has done uh, for Israel. You have the cosmos as a witness to the revelation of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the spirit. So you have the same uh, apocalyptic language that uh, everything that was before, now there's been a massive change. Uh, And you're going to have as verse 17, 18, uh, the spirit is poured out on all flesh daughters, young men, old men. So there's a, since in which uh, a remaking of humanity, right? The spirit is not a, dis- uh, a respecter of persons. Whoever follows Jesus Christ and calls the name of the Lord, as verse 21, uh, the, the last of the quote from Joel, they will have uh, the spirit poured out upon them. The, it, we can get lost sometimes in this kind of poetic language, but that's me trying to boil it down. The language is to emphasize um, the gravity and the um, heavenly provenance of the action or what's happening. Uh, and so they'll use this language of darkness and a bloody moon. You can see this in, uh, I Jeremiah and other places, prophetic literature, uh, not just Joel. So what uh, has been revealed is that um, the Jesus of Nazareth, this is in 22 through 24, uh, Peter says all of this, this outpouring of the Spirit is because of Jesus. He was attested to you. Uh, he was witnessed to you uh, by God through all sorts of works and wonders and signs. And yet uh, you rejected him. And again, as I was saying at the beginning uh, of this talk about in, in chapter one, this is all according to the plan and knowledge of God. For knowledge of God. God knew that this was going to happen. He has spoken it through scripture beforehand. Uh, and so this is not uh, a surprise. As So maybe I would, it's a surprise to those who rejected him and even to the apostles, really, because now Peter, who's speaking this, is being moved by the Holy Spirit. Because before this, <laughs> you see the gospels, the apostles the whole time are like, what the heck is going on? Even at the beginning of Acts, they're like, so when's the kingdom coming? Where are we going to get our, you know, are catapults and spears and stuff. Um, now uh, the scriptures, the same of like um, at the end of the gospel of Luke, where you have Luke and Clopas are confused. And Jesus says, like, come on guys. <laughs> and then he teaches them. Uh, you have uh, Peter here telling them the whole, the revelation of God, the Messiah. Uh, this was Jesus Christ. And we know it because, in verse 24, he was loosed from the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And we'll keep reading verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will dwell in hope. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let thy Holy One see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may say to you confidently of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Why does he say that? Why does he need to clarify that David's dead? I hadn't considered that. I would say the reason why he needs to clarify that David is dead they are if this what david is saying in psalms is about himself then it didn't happen right verse 30 being therefore a prophet knowing that god had sworn an oath to him that he would not see that he would see set one of his descendants upon his throne he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the christ that he was not abandoned to hades nor did his flesh see corruption this jesus god raised up and all and of that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make thy enemies a stool for thy feet. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So he needs to clarify um, there is a lot of understanding, right, that the in the restoration of the kingdom of Israel, that this is a restoration of the Davidic kingdom. David is the first king of Israel uh, that God made this promise to. He made a promise to Abraham and to the patriarchs before that, but there's a very specific uh, that he would set um, a descendant of David upon his throne. And Jesus, yes. Sorry, I have a little one coming to visit. Keep me off. And so you have (laughs) the uh, quote from David is applied and, of course, fulfilled in Jesus. Because uh, David's body saw corruption, right? Uh, But Jesus, in his resurrection, we see that his flesh does not see corruption, uh, that the Holy One of Israel uh, is the crucified Lord. Uh, This is a fulfillment of the scriptures about the promise to David, to Abraham, to Isaac, to all the prophets, uh, that there would be, that God would bless uh, their descendants, and specifically the promise to David, um, that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne in the, the kingdom, the restored kingdom of Israel. It just didn't happen the way that most of them were thinking that it was going to happen. This um, creates then for us um, the same kind of a response, right? Uh, we have in this sermon Peter uh, addressing um, all of us that we, the uh, who was attested by his wonders, his, his signs, and by teaching that he was delivered up for our sake, he was crucified. Uh, but he uh, as God did not see corruption in the flesh but was raised from the dead by his father and we believe in the witness of the apostles sorry (laughs) Uh, this uh, belief in the what the apostles teach is the absolute foundation rock Uh, this is what the Christian church depends upon it is for the, the apostles, uh, that is what it was at Pentecost, and that is what it is today. That we trust in the apostolic witness, um, that means that we trust in the 12, uh, but we see that I mean, the gospel writers they're not a part of the 12, or at least some of them are not. Luke is not a part of the 12, but uh, he writes from the perspective of having, uh, at least I believe the belief in the early church, that he was basically. Uh, tutored by Paul and taught by Paul, because we see that Luke, uh, was a Gentile, right? He's a Gentile, uh, physician, but we have, um, the beginning of where the witnessing is, of course, as Jesus says, even in the gospels, he first comes to the house of Israel. So the diaspora, I mean, in some ways this is ingenious, uh, even looking at this, I, I hate to say this, but from a marketing perspective, you're going to go to a place where you have a bunch of, uh, folks who are going to go back home and you're going to teach them about something. And then guess what they're going to do? They're going to take this message back to Libya. They're going to take this message back to Rome. They're going to take it back to Cappadocia uh, and they are going to learn what it is uh, to follow this Messiah. Are there any questions about, uh, as we see, David is quoted a lot here in the the beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, The Psalms, are a treasure trove of messianic passages uh, that are fulfilled. Uh, with, that the church, uh, that Jesus Christ, etc. Even uh, in the post-communion service, uh, we use some of the lines uh, from the Psalms to talk about uh, the Theotokos, Mary, uh, because there is the image of the King's mother present uh, in the Psalms. What time is it right now?
1: 11.05.
0: 11.05. So the question is do we can t- finish this chapter or do we save it for next time to move forward from there? Go ahead, finish. Let's finish. We finish. We can, yeah, let's finish. Um, would anyone like to read 37 to the end? I can. Please.
1: Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all that are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other words and exhorted him them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved.
0: The response to the sermon from Peter is... Uh, I, I love the image of being cut to the heart uh, they were so assured and confident that they were doing the right thing, that Jesus was a blasphemer uh, this is right, this is all the conflict, that he was a false teacher, that he was a false messiah uh, and so he needed to be dealt with in that way and now they realize from the witness of these men that he was the messiah, they asked what they should do Peter tells them to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise uh, of the Holy Spirit is for everyone who calls upon uh, the Lord our God. And it's fascinating, after this, uh, the baptism and the chrismation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is the beginning of things, right? This is the beginning of the church. and I think the the word from Peter saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation, is fulfilled uh, in that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I have always leaned on verse 42 as a basic framework of what the church is. Uh, it is a devotion to the apostles' teaching. It is a devotion to fellowship with the apostles and to the apostolic um, gathering as it were uh, the church uh, to the breaking of bread and the breaking of bread throughout Luke and Acts I think uh, is I wouldn't say code words but they understood that to mean uh, Eucharistic breaking of bread uh, you could say my son just completely took out one of our nice flowers <laughs> Uh, Oops. <laughs> yep, that's what happens when you're one and a half uh, you see something pretty and you kill it um, that they devoted themselves to the Eucharistic Synaxis but I also think this has in the way that scripture talks this has many layers of meaning it's not yes it's Eucharistic uh, and yes it also I think it means that they actually ate together and you can see in the early church um, and we still see this today even Uh, we kind of imitate it in our own way and monasteries do this Uh, after a Eucharistic gathering, you have the trapeza. And in the monastery, there's not an understanding that the service has ended and now we do something secular, (laughs) uh, like eat ourselves. The, the table, the common, the altar and the common table are connected together. And this is in Paul and Corinthians too. Um, In Corinthians also, also not second Corinthians. (laughs) Uh, But you see, here the breaking of bread uh means a common life together uh and then the prayers uh we see this at the very end of the gospel of luke uh they were in the temple and they were praying to god the book of acts this is going to be the same thing they're in the temple and they're praying they're breaking bread together just as jesus did on the road to emmaus uh and they're delighting in the studying and the understanding of what the apostles teaching is what flows from this is wonders and signs done through the apostles that uh visits the community uh and i think a common life together uh that there was an understanding um i think this goes back to genesis you what what is starts you know of course you have eating as a problem with adam and eve right they eat the wrong thing uh but you what is that the core of um Cain and Abel's conflict, Uh, it was um, Cain's heart was not glad and generous. Uh, St. Ephraim the Syrian, when he talks about uh, what Cain's problem was, is that he didn't actually give the best. He gave something, but he didn't give the best. And so what happened was he didn't actually share things in common with God and with his brother, so much so that he kills him. He's... lets his blood out on the ground i mean you can also hear even hear uh, echoes of judas right part of the reason why they talk about his death like that is because uh he's kind of a, a uh, he's the opposite of now the betrayer has has kind of met the end of the one who'd been betrayed in the beginning but you see this life together um has boundaries, right? It's not just a bunch of people getting together and having a potluck. It is a particular gathering of folks who are dedicated, baptized, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and who are continuing in the teaching, at fellowship, and the prayers. And I think it's important to end um, this chapter the way that it reminds us this is how we live our lives in the church. And When we do this, uh, we will find favor with people. Some people will reject us, as you see throughout the book of Acts, and throughout the life of the church. There will be people who reject. There will be others that the Lord will add to our number day by day. Sometimes that ebbs and flows according to the seasons, according to how God works. But I think it's important to underline, um, we act in faithfulness, and God blesses that faithfulness. Uh, by adding numbers to us, uh, I think it's always a a, a hard thing and a, a hard lesson to learn, because we think if we talk a whole lot, or if we get the best arguments, um, or uh, that we will convince other people that they need to follow this lifestyle, that's I've never I've never found that to work. What I have found <laughs> is more arguments to be had, <laughs> more disagreements, more. Uh, dissatisfaction, more anger. Uh, There is a time and place to have serious back and forths with people. Uh, But I think that this doesn't mean that you don't communicate with people about the good news. But if you communicate with people about the good news and you're not dedicated to the apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers, then they're just going to fall on empty ears. The Lord is the one who adds uh, to our number day by day um, and we praise God and we have glad and generous hearts and that is the work of the church and we'll see this uh, going throughout uh, where Peter, uh, Peter is the kind of focus up to a certain point and we're kind of Jerusalem centric then Paul kind of comes out of nowhere uh, and then we will follow Paul uh, through the rest of the book of Acts as he Uh, takes his crazy journey across uh, the Mediterranean, uh, ending up in Rome. But we see all of this um, imitating the life of Christ, imitating uh, and following after uh, what the very first verse of the book of Acts says, what he did and what he taught. And we will see now in the life of the church um, the same thing. The church does what Christ does, Uh, Did in the ways in which it can, empowered by the Holy Spirit, because that's what we are called to do. Uh, But we also teach. Um, This is at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and we see this uh, throughout the book of Acts, is the church learning about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, the opening up of the Old Testament scriptures, finding him there, and finding uh, what it means to follow him. Because the scriptures continue to speak. The scriptures are not... Uh, muted or they're not just controlled to, you know, one or two meanings, but they have a constant source of life for us. Are there any questions or comments? Not on my part. Not on your part. Lynn or anybody else? Logan? It's also weird to see you without glasses, Logan. <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to put your glasses. I hope oh, yeah. that we can do. There we go. <laughs> yes, Logan. <laughs> do you have a question, Logan? Uh oh. Ah yes, Archbishop uh, Averki. How do you find that commentary? Can't hear you. Oh, you're muted. No, no, you're not. You're not muted. It might be because you have the Yeah, you gotta press that. I love Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Unplug, unplug it, and maybe you're okay. <laughs> okay, it's good. it's
1: good. It's good.
0: Is that? I think some of that is available online, but I don't know if it's it's helpful. I have not. Um, at some point, I'm going to put a little bit of time into Chris System's homilies, um, but it's also it is good to just read scripture. Logan, I think we might be able to, hear you know. Oh wow! Well, now now I want to mute. Sorry. (laughs) Now I can hear you. So it's a good book.
2: Yeah, very good book. Highly recommend for a a wee a wee babe like myself having a. It's it's very it's uh very spoon feeding.
0: Yes. Well, I think we all we all need to be spoon fed on some level. So, oh, so I, yeah, he, he just goes verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And uh, that's really helpful when you're not a uh, learned scholar. All right, I'm going to mute now. <laughs> Thank you, Logan. Well, I hope to continue us working. And maybe sometimes we won't go two chapters. Sometimes maybe we'll even do a little bit more. Um, so because this is always the challenge with Bible studies, that they just kind of go, on forever and ever and ever and ever. And I would prefer for us to try to keep up in some ways with the lectionary speed. Um I know it jumps around a little bit, but we'll see. Uh the next time hopefully we'll go through the next two chapters or I'll email out and make sure that I say these are the chapters that we're going to cover uh or the sections that we're going to cover so that we can have about an hour's worth of stuff and then meet for the next time. Okay? Sounds great. All right. Excellent. Thank you guys. God bless you. you. Thank Uh, you. I guess you guys will see me tomorrow as I will not unfortunately be able to see you (laughs) do a live feed. Absolutely.